Thank you, David, and good morning, everyone. My name's Andrew. I'm the Senior Minister at St Mark's, if we haven't met before. And as uh, Vivian said, we're going to continue our series today on the Song of Songs, looking at that very short reading that David just gave us, and we'll see what we can get out of it today. Huh? Now, one of the things that has all but died nowadays is the practice of writing letters to stay in touch with someone. You know, when you get a piece of paper and you get a pen out and you write by hand or you maybe type and you fold it and put it in an envelope and you write the name and the address on it and you put a stamp on it, you put it in a mailbox in the hope that someone will take that and carry it to uh, put another box outside the person's house that they're writing to. Sounds complicated to me. Um, And you might occasionally remember doing that in the olden days. Um, Now... The first blow to the handwritten letter was, of course, the telephone. Um, You could talk to someone on the other side of the world instantly rather than write a letter that would take months to send. Um, And, of course, now we have email, we have text, we've got social media, we've got Zoom and a million other ways to be in constant contact with everyone anywhere. Some of you may even be on your phones right now. (laughs) No. Um, But still, we all know that no matter how easy it is to stay in contact with someone, it isn't the same as being with them in the same physical space. And that was, of course, the pain for so many people of the lockdowns that we had over those years, not being able to see people face to face. Now, as we've read, this Song of Songs, this poem is a love story between this young woman and this young man. And one of the things that lovers have to deal with at some point, very often, is the experience of absence or separation from each other, especially if their relationship is long distance or they don't see each other very often due to work or other commitments that they have. And the question is, how do you maintain a sense of connection and closeness and intimacy when you're not together in the same place. It's a big challenge. Many people have had that experience. Now, I picked a short reading today from the Song of Songs that I think just gives us a little snapshot of that type of situation and the type of feelings within it. So the woman in the poem is asked by her friends, where has your man gone? What is he up to? He's not with you. Now, I don't think that's meant to be an unkind question, as in, like, you know, I bet he's up to no good. I bet he's doing something terrible when he's not around. I think it's just a pretext, really, for this poet to introduce the next part of the poem and this this, um, words from this woman. And what I want us to hear today mainly is what she says in response, and in particular the tone of her response. She says, my beloved, where is he gone? He's gone down to his garden to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. I think what you can hear in her words here is her serene confidence and connection to her lover. She knows exactly where he is. She knows exactly what he's doing and she is completely confident that they are secure and attached in their relationship. This is her words, I am his and he is mine. They're doing separate things today but that's okay. She's at peace about it and of course he's not a long way away of course, he's just down in his garden but I think you get the feeling from what she's saying that they'd be okay if he had to go away to war, as young men often had to do in that culture, or if they were separated for a long time for some other reason. 
Now, I think we all recognise this kind of feeling or what it would be like if you haven't. Um, if we've never had that kind of romantic relationship, you might still have, you still have this feeling with your parents or your children or your siblings or your great friends. It doesn't, for people like that often, it doesn't matter how often you see each other, even if you only see each other every now and again. You know that you're okay with each other. And when you see again each other again, you pick up right where you left off. And I believe that this feeling um, that the Song of Songs is depicting here of that confidence in connection, I think it's a point of contact which we can use to understand our spiritual experiences as well. So um, just to recap, if you've not been following this series, you know, the reason we're looking at this poem, the Song of Songs, is it gives us, I think, a great example or sample of the different experiences and feelings that are associated with real and passionate love. That's why I think it's in the Bible. And we find that all these different experiences that this couple describes actually match up very well with different aspects of what it means to experience God in our lives. As Viv was saying, what it shows to us, this poem, I think, is that if our hearts are open to God and if Jesus and his spirit are active in us and we want to know God better, there is a rich tapestry of experiences that we're being invited into and those are very similar to what it's like to be in a romantic relationship. It also helps us to understand the Bible better, I think, and what it means to be a Christian and the joy that we can have in the life of faith if we understand the, um, our experience of God in this light. And today the feeling that I want to examine is about this connection and confidence that we can have in another person, even when we're separated from them. The fact that in a healthy relationship we can feel someone's ongoing presence and love with us, even when they're not there. You may be familiar with the idea of what they call attachment theory uh, in psychology. So when we're young, you know, as we, when we're infants and when we're young children, they believe that we really learn how we, how do we feel about the world through the quality of our attachment to our caregivers. This is how we learn about how to interact with the world. So secure attachment means that we feel emotionally safe. We are confident in the goodness of the world and we're ready to go out into it and try things out, taking this sense of attachment with us that we have with those who've given us care when we're young. It's an inner strength that we take into the world. If we're insecure in attachment, on the other hand, we may learn to view the world as a scary place and an empty place, a place where we're alone. And I think the idea of attachment is actually a fundamental idea and feature of the Christian faith. And it's actually a theme of the current part of the church calendar that we're in. So we're currently in the season after Easter. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to move through the Christian festivals known as Ascension and then Pentecost. You may be familiar with those, particularly Pentecost. This is the time when we remember the stories of the period after Jesus' resurrection from the dead, that was on Easter Sunday, his final time of presence physically with his disciples and then before returning to the Father, which is the story of the ascension, and then the sending of his Holy Spirit upon the church, which is the day of Pentecost. So ascension, I think, and Pentecost reminds us that the entire Christian life, indeed the entire history of the Christian church, is actually a long-distance relationship where it's a relationship in which our attachment is tested. Jesus, we know, left the church. He left it in person.
to go to the Father. But he said, he promised there will always be his ongoing presence and connection with Christian people through the Holy Spirit who would come to them. I want to read to you now from John chapter 14, verse 15 to 20. This is part of Jesus' conversation with his disciples before he was arrested and crucified. So he said to them, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will, live. You will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. He's speaking to them about the attachment that they're going to have even when he's gone, through the Spirit who's going to come. And I think this word about the Holy Spirit to the disciples of Jesus, it's a paradigm, really, of secure spiritual attachment that we are to experience and the connection of God's love with us over distance and time and space. The Holy Spirit in that passage is called the advocate, Jesus says, but that word in Greek can also mean the comforter, and I prefer that translation. The comforter is the one who gives the comfort of God's presence to his people throughout the age in which they wait for the return of Jesus Christ in person. Jesus says to them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You won't be alone. The Spirit will be with you. He will live in you. And Jesus told the disciples that the grief that they experienced when he left them and on the, on the cross and when he returned to the Father will be overcome with joy at his return. And in between, his comforter will be with them, attaching and securing their love. We read in the book of Acts, um, as we look at this story, that the disciples of Jesus experienced the coming of the Spirit on them in Pentecost as this joy, this confidence in the presence of Jesus with them after his resurrection. Just like the woman in the Song of Songs who knows where her beloved is. You know? So the disciples of Jesus, they know where Jesus has gone. They know what he's doing and they know that while he's gone, they are still connected to him. They might say, well, he browses among the lilies. He's down in the garden. Jesus prays in the presence of the Father and he's unbreakably connected with his people in that time. And I think this is the source of the confidence and security that marks the church that we read about in the rest of the book of Acts. So we read about the disciples of Jesus who were very simple people. After Pentecost, they were able to stand up very confidently in front of crowds um, and in courts and in jail and in various times of persecution because of this, because they knew Jesus was with them. And that confidence, I think, can mark us today as well as we grow in our experience of his spirit. Love makes people strong. Love makes people bold. I think there is a misconception in our culture sometimes that people become strong by being treated harshly and being forced to toughen up through negative experiences. I think the reality is that kind of life experience, particularly for young people, it actually creates wounds and fragility in us and it expresses itself as a lack of confidence and a lack of security, or in overcompensation by bravado or harshness with other people. But 
The Christian life is not meant to be like that. We are not made strong by the absence of Jesus and by the suffering there. We are made strong by his presence. What underlies the Christian experience is not meant to be an anxiety about God's love and whether he loves us, but an unshakable confidence in our connection and safety with him, the comforter. When we talk about Pentecost in the church, we often talk about, you know, when the spirit comes on Christian people, we talk about the gifts of the spirit or the abilities or the power or gifts that the Spirit gives so that God's people can serve effectively. It's definitely part of that story. But Pentecost is also, I think, about the comfort or the presence of Christ's ongoing connection with the church through the Holy Spirit. The experience that we might say, we are his and he is ours. We are his and he is ours. So the Holy Spirit in that situation is like the letter that we receive in a long-distance relationship. It makes the other person present even though they are far away. In Ephesians, Paul describes the Holy Spirit as being like the seal on an official document, the seal on our hearts, or like a keepsake or ring that people keep to remind themselves of their relationship, their comfort and security. So I think there are many challenges for us today as we think about this experience and what it means for us. What does it mean for God to be present to us and Jesus to be present to us today. So we go back, I think, to our key words from the reading today. The woman says, My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. I think the basic thing today is for us to realise that if we are Christians, we are living our lives in this world, in this age, in this state of separation from Jesus looking forward to that time of being reunited. That's the tension of life. We're not living now in the fullness of that presence when we see God face to face. That is, our, that is our tension here. Jesus is down in the garden gathering his lilies, doing his work, his kingdom, but the connection is not broken that we have. Our spiritual rhythms of life are meant to reinforce that remembrance then and to bring it back into our, our present experience now. You know, most people start off in their faith with a confident awareness of, awareness of God's presence with them. They want to draw close to him and they experience him with him. Um, the challenge over time is the maintenance of that sense of confidence to invite the Spirit to give us a fresh sense of God's presence with us each day so that we are confident, so that we are secure in the midst of challenges and growing in hope as we go along of what is going to come in the future. And I think that's one of the keys to maintaining the strength and joy of our faith through the challenges of life. This security in Jesus, something that will endure to the very end, to the end of our life. And I think this is what is behind the regular practices of worship and prayer for Christian people. Why do we do these things again and again? Because those things are the letters that we write to God. They are the reinforcement of our attachment to him. Now, I do find it hard. I don't want to make the application of a sermon, the encouragement to pray more and to worship more because we hear that a lot. And I know for many people that's experienced as a duty, a sense of guilt. I should be doing these things in order to please God. But I, what the Song of Songs does is it turns that around. It is because we are secure with God that we can approach him in prayer. It is because we're secure with God that we can worship and derive strength from that. The relationship and attachment is already there. It is first. We just remind ourselves of it. And I think what we should take away from this passage today is that really the practices like 
our daily prayers or our singing and worship or other things that we do. They are the foundation, hopefully for us, of an ongoing sense of security and comfort in this time of tension and waiting, in the season of the world, ascension and Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit, we're told, though, is the comforter in this age of the world for God's people. And we need, I think, to open our hearts to that presence every day to endure through the difficulties that we face between now and when we are reunited. It is love that will make us able to endure. As we're reminded, I want to finish reminding you, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.